The year was 2017. A South Korean cargo ship with 24 people aboard vanished in the South Atlantic. Donald Trump was president. The number one song in the U.S. was Shape of You by Ed Sheeran. And Randall and Wendy Bjorg, both 63, were brutally killed by their 17-year-old granddaughter. Hello and welcome back to Where Have All the Children Gone? My name is Allie and this is podcast number three of the Children Who Kill series. This podcast seeks to portray the truth and provide the victims a voice. It contains graphic and mature themes which some might find offensive and is not recommended for young children. Now none of us had a choice whether we were born, who our parents were, or the atmosphere and culture we were brought up in. All of these things programming our young minds. No child comes into this world cursing, being disrespectful, or violent. Dysfunction in one form or another is part of all families because all are born into a broken world. There is no excuse for the lives that are taken. But one thing I want you to see in this series is all the areas someone could have intervened, could have mentored, and possibly change the direction of that life, that child. And if even one child is saved by all these hours of work required for this podcast, it will be worth it. So if you see a child going down the wrong path, take the time to intervene. Be a mentor. Prevention is more effective and far better than rehabilitation. Stop evil before it starts. With that being said, I bring you the House Party Murderers. Now, Randall and Wendy Bjorg, both 63, were just really downright nice people. They were well-liked by their neighbors. And if you would ask their neighbors about them, the neighbors would state that Wendy and Randall were some of the best people you could ever meet. The elderly pair were respectful, pleasant to interact with, and always willing to lend a hand when it came to friends or family. They could often be spotted in the neighborhood walking their dogs or chatting with their neighbors. Their granddaughter was Cassandra, or Cassie, Bjorg. She was 17, a sweet-looking girl, 5 foot 3, 120 pounds, brown hair, brown eyes. If you were to see her, you'd think she was a cheerleader, not a cold-blooded killer. But she was a very troubled teen. Her long-term behavioral issues led to her grandparents taking over custody from Amanda Sterling, Cassie's biological mother. The family tried to remove her from a bad crowd in Duluth to stability with her grandparents in Lawrenceville. But the behavioral trouble didn't end when Cassie moved in with her grandparents. In fact, according to the Gwinnett Police records, they said between October 2015 and March 2017, They responded to the Bjorg-Lawrenceville home 31 times for various reasons. 18 of those were for runaway calls. Several of the calls were domestic dispute calls and illegal drug calls. Cassie was even charged for allegedly assaulting her grandmother. 
In February, Cassie dropped out of school and was put on probation. On April 1, 2017, Cassie once again ran away. Cassie's grandmother posted a request for people to keep an eye out for her and for prayers of her safe return on Facebook. Little did she know her prayers would be answered, but definitely not in the way she had hoped. Wendy and Randall blamed their granddaughter's 18-year-old boyfriend, Johnny Ryder, for Cassie's bad behavior. Johnny was also from Lawrenceville, Georgia, and was a bad seed, according to the elderly couple. Cassie Bjorg believed her grandparents had become too strict, so she developed a plan with her boyfriend, Johnny Ryder, to rectify the situation. So on April 2nd, a cool Sunday evening, Cassie and Johnny waited outside her grandparents' house until the lights went out in their Georgian home. They then snuck across the yard, broke into the house, crept up the stairs, up into the grandparents' rooms. As Johnny Ryder began brutally beating Cassie's grandfather with a hammer and tire iron, Cassie went into her grandmother's room, tied her up with duct tape, and dragged her into the grandfather's room. Once there, Cassie also began beating her grandmother with a tire iron. After the elderly couple's heads were bashed in, their blood coating the walls, Cassie and Johnny took a butcher's knife and stabbed them multiple times and then slit their throats. Drenched in the couple's blood, Cassie and Johnny took bleach and poured it over the couple. Then they taped off the bedroom windows and took caulk, like you seal a bathtub, and caulked two interior doors to entomb the grandparents and prevent the odor of death and decay from escaping the room. After the gruesome murders, there were no tears, no remorse. In fact, the couple cleaned up and ordered Chinese takeout to be delivered to the home. And the next day, they threw a big party. In fact, the party was one of the most wild and destructive the neighborhood had ever seen. There were drugs, seemingly endless amounts of booze, underage drinking all over the place. And the guests were having the time of their lives, but they had no idea that just upstairs, Cassie's grandparents were still at home. Just not alive. Now, Cassie's family had noticed the couple missing because Wendy Bjorg was very active on Facebook and tended to text her family almost daily. They asked the police on multiple occasions to do a welfare check beginning on April 6th. The police went to the home, didn't find anything out of the ordinary, and they didn't have cause to enter the house by force. Cassie confessed, confessed that she went as far as pretending to be her grandmother via text in an attempt to keep her family from suspecting anything was wrong. Well, the party came and went, and several days passed, where the bodies remained undiscovered. Meanwhile, the teenage killers lived in the house as if nothing was wrong. They lived without restraint, smoking pot, and soon, with the help of the confidence they gained in the double murder, began to plan and create even more evil schemes, including taking revenge on Johnny's parents and sister also on Cassie's mom. The next Saturday, Ryder and Borg traveled to Ryder's mother's home on Rambling Woods Drive. They had one thought in their minds, kill anyone who got in their way. Johnny's sister soon arrived home from working at a nearby restaurant. 
She and her boyfriend came into the house and found that her room had been torn apart and several items were now missing. She knew who was responsible, and when she found Johnny and Cassie downstairs, accused them of vandalism and thievery in no uncertain terms. However, before she could even finish, Johnny Ryder grabbed a can of pepper spray and let loose on his sister and her boyfriend. While the two were writhing in pain, he yelled for Cassie to grab a baseball bat. Cassie grabbed the bat and came at both of them, beating them savagely before turning the weapon over to Johnny, who continued to beat them. Eventually, the sister and the boyfriend were able to escape to a neighbor's house, and once the stinging in their eyes from the pepper spray had subsided, they called 911. The police and ambulance arrived quickly. Though not soon enough to catch the perpetrators, the organ rider had already stolen Johnny's sister's car and made a run for it. They were long gone by the time the police had arrived at the house. But the two perpetrators did happen to leave Cassie's grandparents' car at the scene. The police tracked the vehicle over to Wendy and Randall's house. This time, finding the car along with the family calls worrying over the couple's safety, they had probable cause to force entry into the home. What they found was a grisly scene. One, they had apparently failed to notice when they had visited the home before. And to think these two lived in the house for a week with the dead grandparents upstairs decaying. With help from friends and family, the police officers tracked Cassandra Borg and Johnny Ryder to an apartment complex in the residence of McGinnis Ferry Apartments on McGinnis Ferry Road in Suwannee, Georgia. The two teens had apparently barricaded themselves in one of Ryder's friend's apartments and were not planning on going quietly. SWAT officers swarmed the complex and the suspects were involved in a standoff that lasted about an hour. They tried to get the SWAT officers to kill them during the standoff. When that didn't work, they took a knife and self-mutilated themselves in a suicide attempt. A robotic device was used to enter the home and police discovered that the teens were injured. They were taken into custody and then to the hospital due to some of the wounds were very deep. Now, had Ryder gone to trial, he would have faced the death penalty because he was an adult when he committed this heinous crime. But in a mutual agreement, they both made a plea deal, and he and Bjork admitted to murder, aggravated assault, and theft for killing the grandparents last April. Ryder was the only one to verbalize remorse. He stated, I know what I've done is abominable, and evil is deserving of hellfire. I would like to express my deepest apologies to the Bjork family. I'm so sorry for the pain and grief I have caused you. Cassie said nothing. Now all you need to know really about this crime can be summed up by the shock Gwinnett County Judge Deborah K. Turner. She stated, quote, I just continued to be stunned that you sealed areas so that you could make sure the smell of decaying human flesh wouldn't be noticed she said in court, that you had parties and ordered Chinese food with two people that you had brutally murdered lining upstairs, unquote. Both Cassie and Ryder received two life sentences with the possibility of parole in 60 years plus 21 years to be served concurrently. Now what happened after the conviction? Well, not much. Unfortunately, in juvenile cases, the files are sealed 
And unless the offender reoffends or happens to be let out, it's difficult to obtain additional information after incarceration. I can tell you that Cassie Bjork is currently incarcerated at the Arendelle State Prison in Alto, Georgia. The only reason she has given for the murders was, she stated, quote, she basically had enough of her grandparents, unquote. She has never shown remorse. In fact, she told a correction offer when she, saw, when she was in detention and saw herself on the news, hey, look at me, I'm on TV, I'm a star. Now I looked at Barrendale Prison, I was just curious. They offer work details for a farm operation of swine and cattle general maintenance, food service, contract details, fire department, equine, equine Re rescue center, hay operation. So maybe we'll get something work out of her while she's there for life. They also offer all kinds of rehabilitative things like auto detailing, welding, food service, fire department, educational library aids, office technology, Guide dog programs, veterinary technician, dog grooming, forever friends, dog rescue. So there's a lot going on at that prison. I hope she makes good use of it. Johnny Ryder is currently incarcerated at the Coffee Correctional Facility in Georgia. And yes, it's a place where coffee comes from. It's a medium security prison for males who commit felonies. Eligible inmates are encouraged to participate in the vocational courses taught at this facility, including carpentry, masonry, Computers, horticulture, earning their commercial driver's license, etc. So maybe when he's what, 60 years, let's say they, two thirds, in their, in their 50s probably, they might make use of some of this stuff that they learn. Well, that's it for this time. I'd like to thank David Feslian of Feslian Studios for the awesome music. In fact, if you haven't noticed, the entire piece is at the end of the, of the broadcast. References were numerous, and I mean numerous, web page, pages of news because I needed to check a lot of facts. A lot of things were different in, in articles, and it took a long time to check facts. But some of the main ones were CBS News, www.ajc.com, Gwinnett Daily Post, KTLA.com, Life Daily, Crom CrimeLibrary.com, and What Turns Innocent Kids Into Killers by Princeton Holt. I'll see you next time for Definitely Not Child's Play. And remember, stop evil before it starts. Goodbye.